guys, welcome in to today's episode of the Southeast Tuesday Podcast. It is Tuesday, June the 20th, and this is officially episode number two. But like I said, we'll do this daily, and the, the episode counts are what they are, so um, we'll continue to rack these up. But a lot of you listened to yesterday's episode, so thank you. Uh, some of you seem to be excited that the podcast is back, so hopefully this will be something you can listen to each day and enjoy some information some good stuff here uh, on sec basketball throughout the summer and then obviously once we get into the season we will crank things up even more i'll actually have a lot more guests on here a couple during the off season but we'll we'll certainly have a lot more guests rolling through here as we get closer to the season and once the action gets started so just as yesterday uh, the similar theme will be a couple of topics that are on my mind for the day and we're going to start off with today with a guy who's gotten a lot of attention in the past uh, 48 hours or so, and that is Auburn big man Austin Wiley. And he's someone that, you know, I wrote a story about him on southeastoops.com. Wrote It was on May the 19th. So if you go to southeastoops.com, I'm also going to include the story within the notes on this podcast. But if you go to southeastoops.com, search for that story from May the 19th, I wrote a story on Austin Wiley talking about his potential breakout season. Now, it's pretty clear that as we see him at this U19 camp in Colorado, uh, hearing a lot of things out of there, seeing a lot of things on Twitter, this guy is the real deal. I mean, I think we knew that coming in. And you just have to remember, last year when he stepped on the floor for Auburn, he was a young kid. I mean, he was 17 years old coming in last year. And then what happened was he got more experience. He was able to to get that kind of get his feet under him a bit as he played through the games. But one of the things that Bruce Pearl talked about whenever I talked to him last season was he just hadn't had that time yet in terms of being around the guys, maybe building that chemistry within the team. And what I looked at when I talked about in the story that I wrote on SoutheastHoops.com I think the biggest thing that was going to benefit him would be the off-season strength training, getting a full off-season under his belt of college strength training and being able to really, you know, he's already a, a great physical presence. I mean, just again, that's just something you can't teach. But to have that under his belt and to get even stronger, and this is a strong kid, obviously, for his age, but to get even stronger, that was going to be the biggest key. Now, if you see some of the videos, some of the pictures put out there, it's clear that Austin Wiley has gotten stronger. He's gotten bigger, um, and that's a dangerous thing. I think if you're someone on the other side wanting to try to guard this guy, he's been very impressive from what it seems on that front and just seeing some stuff, talking to a couple people who have been out that way and have kind of seen him throughout the offseason, it's just been it's very clear that, that he's going to have a big year, and Auburn needs him to have a big year, um, you know, just because I think having that inside presence, while we see the game move more towards, you know, more kind of an outside-inside type of thing where you're seeing a lot of people sometimes play with, you know, a lot of guards, maybe smaller forwards, if you can have a big man in there that can completely dominate the pain on both ends of the floor – it's a huge asset, and I think that's what Wiley's going to be, and I actually 
caught up with Bruce Pearl here on our Marching to Madness podcast. If you don't know, if you only follow my stuff through southeasthoops.com, uh, I also host a national college basketball podcast called Marching to Madness. Be sure to check that out. You can find that on your podcast app or wherever you listen to podcasts at. Uh, we have interviews with coaches all around the country. We've had over 130 episodes at this point. So be sure to check that out. Uh, but but I did, and Bruce Pearl mentioned that. He talked about how he thought that Wiley was starting to develop, not only just as a player, but also as a leader on that team. And when we consider that this is, you know, what will officially kind of, well, I guess not officially, but what will actually be, when you think about it, his true freshman season. This is when we thought he was going to step on the floor for the first time. Um, it's a big deal, and he's obviously going to be a huge asset for that team this season. Uh, we can look back at what he did last year, and I mean, he was just, you know, it was just a matter of catching up to the speed of the game. Uh, got in foul trouble a lot last year, and, you know, that's something you'll have to stay out of, of course, but I think now that he's able to kind of had that experience under his belt, and especially getting this experience at this U19 training camp, um, you know, getting to play against the best players in the country at his age. Uh, he's out there with a lot of guys, and obviously another Auburn guy, Chumo Kike, is also out there, and he is another one that we will talk about, obviously, throughout the summer because he's going to be another impressive player on that Auburn team that's filled with young talent. It's just a matter of getting that defense where it needs to be, and you can also check out that that podcast episode with Auburn head coach Bruce Pearl. It's on southeastoops.com as well. I put any SEC-related interviews we do on the Marching Madness podcast. I put all of those on Southeast Tube. So be sure to check that out. He talked a lot about this roster and especially Austin Wiley and his progression. All right, another topic on my mind for today, and that is Arkansas head coach Mike Anderson. Now, why am I thinking about Mike Anderson in terms of it's the middle of June? What's the big deal? Well, as I study this Arkansas team, you're going to see Arkansas, I think, being in the NCAA tournament. I just think, you know, when I look around at this team, when you look at the makeup, they lost Moses Kingsley, they lost Dusty Hannas. Those are two guys that did a lot for that program. Um, but getting Daryl Macon, Jalen Barford, both back in the mix, that was huge for Mike Anderson, and that's huge for this Arkansas program uh, because I do think they're going to, once again, be in that top half of the SEC, going to have a chance to be in the NCAA tournament. Um, you know, and again, you think about it, they were, they were really, you know, a couple plays away from beating the, the, you know, eventual national champion in North Carolina. Uh, I, I thought they got a few bad calls down the stretch, uh, maybe didn't get some great offense either. So, uh, either way, you know, they had an opportunity there. And I think, you know, while they may not be as strong, they're going to have an opportunity to be in the NCAA tournament. And that's all you can ask for, I think, at this point. But, in talking about Mike Anderson, he's a guy I still think that doesn't get enough credit. Uh, you know, we look back at last year, and you all heard it just like I did when you talk about all the rumblings that were out there when Arkansas kind of hit a wall last year. Uh, there were people that wanted Mike Anderson out. They thought that he should go. Um, they didn't think he was the right fit for Arkansas. And when you look at the whole body of work, that's a very interesting opinion uh, because Anderson's numbers are pretty outstanding in terms of his career uh, stuff there. Now, you could sure say, well, he hasn't been to a Final Four, uh, you know, and that's great. You know, obviously that's what you measure teams by at certain programs, and Arkansas wants to be a team that gets back to where 
Nolan Richardson had. I mean, they want to be able to compete for a national championship, and, and obviously that makes sense. I mean, it's a, it's a traditional program that's had a lot of success in the past. But when you look at Mike Anderson's numbers, 10 seasons of 21 or more wins in 15 seasons as a coach. Okay, so 10 of 21 or more wins. He's had eight NCAA tournament appearances. In 2014-15 and the 16-17, so this past season, uh, those were the two highest win totals since the 95 team lost in the national championship game. So it's not like this guy has been mediocre (laughs) at Arkansas. He hasn't been a mediocre coach. Now, there have certainly been frustrations. And when you look back at last year, you know, they started off 11-1 and before they got to conference play. They, they lost three of their first four, which when you think about the competition, I mean, they lost to Florida, they lost at Kentucky, they lost at home Mississippi State. There were reasons for concern there. Then they went off and won four in a row, moved to 16-4 and four on the season. Then they went lost three of four again. Now, certainly, they lost, they got blown out at Oklahoma State in that stretch. They lost at Missouri. That was one I think had people scratching their head a lot. Uh, then they got essentially blown out at home by Vandy. And so at that point, I think it kind of reached a stage where people were a little frustrated and didn't know what to expect from this team. Well, and I was one of those people. I wasn't sure how they were going to respond. Well, they responded very well because, you know, they reeled off a lot of wins uh, before getting to, you know, and getting to that SEC tournament final where they lost to Kentucky. And then, you know, like we talked about a minute ago, that loss to North Carolina in the second round. But uh, they finished the season very well. And maybe that builds a little momentum coming into this season. And to go back to Mike Anderson, you know, it's funny just to think about that. Uh, When you look around the SEC, I kind of look at all these different coaches. I've studied their resumes, records, and stuff. And, you know, there are only two coaches in the SEC that have had more than six years of experience as a head coach and never had a losing season. And that is Mike Anderson in 15 seasons and Andy Kennedy at Ole Miss at 12 seasons. Uh, the guys at six or less and the current head coaches in the SEC, uh, Bryce Trues had it for six seasons, never had a losing season. Mike White, six seasons. Um, Will Wade has had four. And then Avery Johnson, obviously, has only had two. But, you know, you think about going back to the NBA and stuff, uh, he did have losing seasons there. But, Um, so those guys are all in the mix, but you just think about that longevity. And I know it's not just measured in terms of, you know, if you have a couple more wins than losses uh, on a season resume, you want to have postseason success. And that's way a lot of guys are measured, especially in this day and age, you know, that's what you're measured by. You have to be able to win in the postseason. And I think that's where Arkansas wants to continue to move towards is being able to win those games in the postseason. And when you look at this team, um, you know, you look at this team he's got coming back. There's a lot of talent here. I mean, there's some guys that, that can play well. And you think about, you know, their recruiting class. They have a very good recruiting class coming in. Um, you know, I just think that, that that youth, adding that with some very athletic guys in the style of play, you know, with, with Macon and Barford leading the way, the Razorbacks are going to be pretty good. And I don't think you're going to have to worry about Mike Anderson you know, ending that streak of, of never having a losing season as a head coach at the Division One level. Um, so he's in good shape. I just think you could do a whole lot worse than Mike Anderson. And I think that's something where it was good to see Arkansas kind of be able to turn things around when they hit those bumps in the road last season and get back to the NCAA tournament after they, you know, they went 16-16 and 16 the year before. And that's where I think the frustration had kind of mounted 
and people wondered, you know, if, if that was going to turn out and play out that way last season, but it didn't, and it turned into a 26-10 and 10 season and a second-round appearance in the NCAA tournament and, again, almost a victory over the defending national champions. So uh, going to be an interesting year for Arkansas. We'll talk a lot more about them as we go throughout the summer as well. And finally, on today's episode, the last hot topic. This is something I threw out on Twitter last week, actually. And I didn't really respond to many. I just kind of, you know, gave some vague thoughts because I wanted to kind of address it either in a written post or in a podcast, and I will eventually do some writing on it as well. But to talk about it just a little bit here, you know, I was talking about some, you know, asking you guys what was some of your preseason player of the year you know, candidates who would be some guys you would look at and say, okay, these guys could definitely be in the running for player of the year in the SEC, and we're a long way away from actually picking who that's going to be. But if you just look at it and you look around the league, um, you know, I, I've continued to say it, the, the talent from top to bottom is simply outstanding. There's so much depth, uh, especially when you look at the backcourt. I think there is just a ton of backcourt depth. There are some great guards in this league, and it's going to make for some interesting matchups all season long throughout the conference. Um, But in talking about player of the year, if I had to pick today, so if I had to say, okay, as of today, this guy is my front runner for player of the year, I would go with Yontay Maiden. I just think that if you think about the numbers, he, you know, finished fourth in the SEC last year, 18.2 points per game. Yet he still kind of flew under the radar, if you think, from a national perspective, I think. I kept talking about how he's one of the most underrated players in the country all year long. So he averaged 18.2 points per game last year, and that was having J.J. Frazier around him, who you know was another guy who averaged a very high point total. Uh, Frazier's gone, and Mayton's going to have to take on an even larger scoring load, and I think that's where you're going to see him really bump up you know, possibly 20-something points a game. Um, The only question I have about whether he should be the top choice right now would be how well is Georgia going to do as a team. And and we'll, you know, we'll dive more into that here throughout the summer. But I think that's the only question mark I have. I think in terms of being able to produce the numbers, being able to be a guy who consistently, game after game, is the guy, you know, on the floor – uh, I think Mayton is probably a good choice right now. Uh, a lot can happen, certainly, until the end of the season. But just on paper, I think Yante Mayton would be an excellent choice. Um, you know, and again, if I had to pick today, that's who I would pick as the SEC preseason player of the year. Now, to go down the list, you know, uh, other guys you consider. And again, I don't think it's a clear-cut choice. I'm not saying that Mayton is my clear number one by, you know, a mile. That's not the case. There, there are so many different directions you could go here. Um, you know, if, if I went down the list just in terms of kind of what I would think in terms of tiers, you know, the next thing I would look at would be, okay, well, you got to look at somebody from Kentucky uh, because you expect Kentucky to be, you know, number one. You expect them to be the one, two, whatever. Uh, but you know there's going to be someone from Kentucky in the mix because – when you're a team that has top 10 potential, top 5 potential, uh, you're going to have a guy that's going to be able to stand out on there and certainly make the case for player of the year. And, and I think you can look at guys like, you know, Hamidou Diallo, Kevin Knox. Those may be the first two that would jump out at you as the most likely candidates from the Wildcats. And then going down the line from there, you know, K- Kayvon Allen, I think, 
is someone that will be in the mix. I mean, you think about his numbers last year. He was able to score the ball. If he can consistently shoot the ball this year, he's going to be that that driving force for Florida. And they're going to be a, you know, a potential top-10 team. They're going to have that kind of makeup. And so he'll certainly be in the mix. Um, you know, I think if you look at Texas A&M, there's a couple guys there, Robert Williams, Tyler Davis. Those two are going to get a lot of attention. And my only thing with Texas A&M is they have so much balance. They're going to have a starting five that's going to have, you know, with guys, everybody in the lineup will have potential to score at least 10 points a game. And that's where you look at the numbers and say, okay, well, are they going to be able to get the numbers they need to be in consideration? And they're still going to be no matter what their numbers are because Robert Williams – as I continue to say, he's a top draft pick next year, uh, and Tyler Davis is someone you know that's gonna just he's gonna own the paint, and I think that's where now that they have a, a solid point guard, a true point guard, uh, you know, whereas last year they had to play guys to position that weren't a true point guard. This year they're gonna have JJ Caldwell, who is a guy who's gonna be able to step right in and be able to to dish and be able to contribute, uh, you know, that in that way, and I think he's gonna make all those guys better. So those are two guys to look at. And then, you know, you have to look at the other freshmen around the league. Certainly you start with Michael Porter Jr. at Missouri, depending on how far Missouri comes along. And, you know, if you look at it today, this is a team that I would also put in that NCAA tournament discussion when you think about everything they've added this offseason, what they have coming back. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. is a special player. And you can check out, had a podcast with Missouri assistant coach Chris Hollander. That's also up on southeasthoops.com. He talked about what makes Porter such a special player. So be sure to listen to that. And then, you know, if I look at another freshman, possibly around the league, that could be in that mix. I think you would have to look at Colin Sexton in Alabama um, because Alabama is going to be, like I talked about in yesterday's episode, talking about Dante Hall, uh, Alabama's going to be in the mix. They're going to be right up there in that top tier in the SEC. And I think Sexton's going to be the guy that kind of is the catalyst for everything that happens there for Alabama. And because of that, because of his scoring, his passing, all the things that he's able to do on the floor, he's just a true playmaker, he could find himself in the mix as well. So uh, there are a lot of good candidates around the league. You know, that's the, that's the summary of this, is there are so many different directions you could go. Um, you know, and like I said, I, I like Yante Mayton. I think he's a guy who's just going to have monster numbers this year as long as he can get some help around him and, and have somebody – like Frazier, and we know there's not going to be anybody on Georgia that's going to be able to just step in and be J.J. Frazier, but if they can have somebody that can make sure that, that Maiden gets a touch on every single possession, I think his numbers are going to be simply through the roof, and he's going to have an opportunity as long as Georgia is able to kind of stay in that upper echelon of the SEC, and that's going to be challenging to do when you think about losing Frazier and, and having everyone else, all these other teams that are just taking seemingly a big leap forward. Um, so, so it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. A long way away from that, but if you haven't shared your thoughts on the Player of the Year, potential candidates yet, just do that on Twitter. You can hit me up at TheBlakeLevel. Uh, if you don't follow me already, be sure to do that as well. A lot of SEC stuff on the way. Uh, that'll do it for today's edition of the Southeast Hoops Podcast. Thank you, as always, for supporting uh, SEC Hoops. Thanks for supporting Southeast Hoops. And uh, I will talk to you guys in tomorrow's podcast.